So we're beginning, uh, last week we began in the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is simply a book of a bunch of wise sayings, uh, mostly written by Solomon, a collection of all these little sayings, and there are chapters within Proverbs that we like to teach about, they've got nice flow to them, there are chapters in Proverbs that tell stories, um, it's poetry of a sorts, and it's always put with the poetic books that are there. But then there is sections and chapters within Proverbs that are just little tiny, uh, we'll call them nuggets of truth, little BBs they shoot out at you, it's just a short little saying, but it's got a lot of wisdom in it. All right, And those are oftentimes a lot harder to teach because they go from one to another to another to another. Um, and so a lot of times we don't teach them because we oftentimes like to string things together. But we're going to do that, and it's nice to have some of these little uh, thoughts which are much more of, of a way of kind of little thoughts to put into your brain and work through your life, more sort of a devotional thoughts. We're going to fire a bunch of them at you uh, each Sunday for a few weeks here. It's kind of fun to think about and have your mind go from one thing to another thing to another thing. So we're in Proverbs chapter 14. This is where we have uh, gone to, where it begins to start to go into little tiny proverbs. Usually one verse is a whole saying, and then it's moved on. Something totally different. We've grabbed some random things out of there uh, and just went through and said, in this chapter we're going to grab a few verses and we're going to talk about them. So uh, we will change topics again and again and again. But let's begin with the women. How's that? Verse number one in chapter 14 is where we're going to start. That's dangerous, isn't it? See, I know already. I started in a dangerous spot. Uh, verse one, and it's going to talk about women, but we will see uh, that its application of, is, of course, for many people, and there's wisdom for a lot of things. But let's begin with chapter 14, verse number one. Every wise woman buildeth her house... But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So as we think about it, there's a picture of a house. And a woman who is building her house. Now, there's a hundred ways that women build their households. Some of them grab a hammer and nails, right? And work on their houses. And other ones, as a mother or a wife or a daughter build up their house in different ways. Sometimes it's physical work. Sometimes it's chores. Sometimes it's financial gain. Sometimes they are the person for finance in their home. They understand it better or their brain just works that way. Sometimes they're smart business people. Sometimes they're fantastic at saving things. All right? And that goes for... Uh, any woman in any place, sometimes uh, mothers and daughters are the same, and sometimes they're totally opposite. Okay? They're great sometimes at providing, sometimes at hostessing, if that's a whole word, I don't know. Being a hostess, okay? That some people just have great talents 
to bring people into their homes, making their home something special that allows their family, their children, sometimes total strangers, to come in and feel welcome in their home. Those are great ways that the women, like this woman in there, in this proverb, can build up their house. They make their home functional, run smooth, and healthy. But there is nothing so constructive or destructive in a home than one thing, one great force that can work through like a tornado or heal amazing things. It is words. Words can be building people up. They can be kind. They can be loving. They can be thoughtful. Or words can be critical. They can be hateful. They can be unpleasant. They can be ungrateful. And they can be the most destructive force in a home. Words that are said and things that you do within your home... And be careful, because this is wisdom from Solomon, right? Can tear down your own home. The things that you say and the things that you do. The mark that you make on the people around you with your words can last for decades and even generations. So be aware... And be careful of the words and the things you say within your own house. Because there is great ways for you to build up your home. And there is great ways to destroy it as well. We look for the wise thing, so be the wise woman and build your house. All right. Get off that verse. (laughs) Verse number three. Verse number three. Totally different. Although we're going to talk a little bit about it, uh, the same topic. In the mouth of the foolish is the rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. So we went to the Smoky Mountains on our recent vacation, and we noticed there was a bunch of guys, they were mowing the lawns, and there was some guys going along weed whacking along the sides of the roads. And this was right in the middle of Smoky Mountain Park where there was kind of a park road. It was 10 miles long, very narrow. And you'd get out and park and go to an old cabin or, or an old mill in Appalachia. So it was a, it was a neat thing. But you get out and you walk a trail or you get out and you go th- along the road and get to these little cabins and little churches and things. But as we walked back from the very first cabin we got to, uh, we noticed the weeds that had just been weed whacked along a fence line in a ditch. And one of our kids almost jumped in that ditch, although the fence was right over top of it. And then he noticed something odd in that ditch. It had been sitting and waiting there. Quiet, undisturbed. But there it was, was a big rattlesnake, about this long, big, long thing, crawling up out of that ditch. And it was a nasty-looking thing, and you could tell that nice diamond-shaped head, like, ooh, that's nasty. That thing could have really gotten you. 
unsuspecting, sitting kind of in a little culvert, waiting for a mouse or something to run through. But if you'd have stepped in the wrong spot, you'd have got it. And that's exactly the way, as we read this verse number three, it talks about the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. Pride is dangerous. Pride is like that snake. It's silent and hidden, and you don't even recognize it, the guy that weed whacked never even saw him. Came right through, weed whacked the whole ditch out and walked out and kept going. And there he was, crawling up and out of there. He didn't drop in by a plane. He was hit, hidden back in the crevices, back along the ditch line. Pride is just like that. It is subtle, and we do not even recognize it's there until it's almost too late. It's difficult to note. We have to take care because it lurks around the corner. Think about this. Pride is the sin that took the most beautiful creature that God ever made, Lucifer, and took him and made him fall. Right? God calls him the son of the morning. We think about something beautiful, and he was beautiful. But pride was that subtle that it slipped its way into heaven, into that mighty creature, Lucifer, and took him down. Subtle. Now, what happens with pride? And that's where this verse is interesting. It talks about pride. In the mouth of the foolish is the rod of pride. What is a rod? Well, there's a couple different ways you can look at that. A rod can be something where a king holds a rod to rule over somebody. Or a rod is also used to beat somebody down. All right? To punish somebody. To go after somebody with an extra bit of power. And so, how do we use pride, how does it come out? Right there, right out of your mouth, right out of your tongue. And we wait, and it lurks around in our feelings and in our heart, and then all of a sudden we say something nasty to somebody next to us or about somebody. It's like taking a rod out and beating them down. That's what pride does. Where'd that come from? Way deep down inside, pride we watch because it lurks behind the scenes and waits to get us. But the lips of the wise shall preserve them. So taking care not to let the snake out, not to let it go, but to recognize it early when it comes. Don't get bitten by that snake of pride. All right, verse number four. Chapter, chapter 14, verse number 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. So, this is an interesting verse. It's kind of an old thing that we think about. 
a crib. Now, down around the corner from where I grew up, there's a great big cage. And uh, in that cage, that farmer used to cut corn and put the whole ear of corn in that cage. It was called a corn crib. It was to hold your grain for the ear. And that, the bigger the crib and the bigger the area you have to hold it was more wealth and more, showed more work. Okay? You got rewarded because you had more things stored away for the winter. Your crib, or something where you hold what you worked for, is an interesting uh, comment on who you are. Now, it says, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. In other words, there's nothing there where there's no oxen. But much increases by the strength of the ox. Oxen are an investment. Right? They're not free. You take them. You have to feed them part of that corn that they get. And when you invest into things in your life and you work and invest into things, you get return on that. If you don't invest into something, you don't ever get return. Your cribs are empty. Now, what is that? What, how does that rule work? Well, it works in almost every part of life. Okay? If you invest uh, in your home, you'll build up your home and your home will become nicer and fixed and up to date, things like that, over time. If you invest in a business, the business can prosper, but you have to keep putting it back into it. All right? But more than that, and those are common things that most businessmen understand that, uh, but beyond that, in your relationships, you have to invest in your relationships. You have to put something in to get something back. It takes something of effort to continue relationships. You put it back in. So you continue to serve and help and work in other people's lives, and then you get the return. You get the full crib. If you don't give anything to the ox... Eventually, he can't work for you anymore, and it's uh, kind of over. It's done. The ox dies, and your crib is empty. But if you continue to put into other people, then that is a way to get return. God richly blesses you when you work hard and you invest in things, in people, and in a job, and in your home, and in anything. It's kind of a, a rule of nature. America was built not on lazy people. America was built on industrious farmers and industrious pioneers and laborers. And we go and we look at, hey, they dug a, a tunnel over in Lockport in the canal. They did that with their hands and hammers. I mean, that is not an easy task to do, but they did it so they could get a return on that investment, divert the canal, and work a bunch of mills. So they got a ton of investment on the work that they got, and they put into it. And that's how God blesses those things. All right? God likes to see hard work. All right, verse number five. A faithful witness will lie, 
But a false witness, that, but a false witness will utter, I mean, sorry, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies, all right? So if you're going to be faithful as a witness, you bring truth. Something seems so simple, and yet truth comes out of a person with character. I heard of a man surrounded by lawyers. He was involved in an event in which he was surrounded by a series of lawyers. And as they each circled him around, asking him questions, trying to really trip him up, he continued to say the same story each and every time. And each one tried to get him to trip up and trip up and say, why do you keep telling us the same thing? They weren't used to someone saying the same thing again and again. You originally gave us a document, and you're saying the same thing that was on the document. Finally, they got to the last lawyer, and the last lawyer said, isn't it true that if you were telling the truth, you would be saying the same thing again and again if we keep asking you the same questions? God blesses something as simple in your life as telling the truth. He blesses it. I've had tests where I've taken tests in school and I got something marked right that, didn't, that I didn't get right. And I've had a multiple different things where I've taken them to the professor and said, you marked this right and it isn't right. I should have a lower score than this. One of my professors said, fantastic, that's wonderful, I'm so glad that you told the truth. Not only am I giving you those points, but I'm doubling those and you can have more points. <laughs> then I had other professors that said, thanks very much, minus this. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get, except you keep your integrity every time you tell the truth. And that's what that is, simple as that. Verse number 10. The, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. All right? There are deep things, deep feelings that we often get in our heart. There are things inside of each of us that we would not share with other people. We would not share them with probably the closest person in our life. There are deep inner feelings. They might be sorrows, regret. They might be joys. And oftentimes those deepest, most inner feelings, even sometimes is very difficult to share with your spouse. Because they're a different person than you are. And you cannot expect even your spouse to fulfill all the things that you need in your life. They're not going to be able to do it. They can't fill every hole that you have. There are deep things, even that we cannot share with those 
those closest to us. So the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger does not intermeddle with his joy. You don't share some deep, deep things, except who do you share it with? Well, the Lord is sometimes all that you can express it to him. He can fill those gaps. He can touch those hurts. He can bind up the wounded. That's what it says. He will bind up the wounded. Help those with that are crushed in spirit. He will help those. And without God touching the innermost pieces of us, there cannot be healing. Whether it's something from our childhood or from a relationship somewhere, someone, something someone said to us once, or many times, things that happened to us, experiences, Sometimes they just cannot be expressed except directly to God. And he understands. He will help. Verse 12. Take this first. Go to the Lord for our deepest feelings. Verse 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Usually when we look to our understanding, when we look to the best things in our life, and we often look when we're young and we say we know just what to do. We got a plan when we're young. Here's what I'm going to do. I know how to do it. I know how to accomplish it. And especially when we're young, we have a lot of opinions about things. Right? I know just how I'm going to raise my kids so they're not like I see you raised us. Those words come out of our mouth or at least run through our head oftentimes. I know how I'm going to work. I know the job I'm going to do. I'm not going to end up like you. I'm going to make more than you or I'm going to do this different than you. I don't like the way you do this in life. We often have things we say in our mind, and we think we know. And then when it comes to living life, life isn't so easy. And it doesn't go the way you think it's all going to go. And it doesn't fit into your plan than when you had that nice, neat box of how it was going to work when you were a kid, and you knew just what you were going to do. Knew just how to do it. In fact... The things we often look at, and when we believe we know everything about it, sometimes we do this as adults, too. Our pride gets in our way, and we don't listen. Not only do we not listen to others around us who are wiser than us, but we don't even listen to God, because we just already know what we're going to do. I've already got a plan. I don't need that. All this is saying is when you think you have that plan and you haven't included God, if you don't include God in your plans, you will not end up where you think or even at all what you'd like to be in. Acknowledge God in all your things. 
even the littlest things of your day. Something I'm learning to do a little better. Even the littlest things. God, help me do this. Help me get through this. Whether it's a meeting or a job trying to finish, a conversation we have to have with somebody. Because the words we can say and the things we think we're going to say and the plans we think we're going to do, we think it should all go like this. And God might have a totally different plan that's the right plan. I've gone into meetings, and this has been recently, where you've got to go in and, uh, to a meeting for a discipline for an employee. And I have learned better to go to God and say, I don't know what to say. You've got to help me with this. And God will direct you. If you look to him, he'll direct you. But you say, I got this. I've done this a hundred times. I guarantee it will not work out well. So be aware that pride is not at the center of our plans, where we think we're headed. Verse 13. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And at the end of that mirth is heaviness. Happiness versus sadness. Constitution tells us, right? Or is it the Declaration? Sorry. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness we're going to go towards. We should pursue our happiness. Is there anything wrong with pursuing happiness? No. Not really. In fact, God wants you to be happy. But have you found in life that there are a good deal of sorrows? Things that you would change if you could. Situations you would have turned back on and said, I'd rather not have gone through that. Or, I wish I didn't have to go through that. We wouldn't ever choose to have these sorrowful moments in our life. But God uses them to strengthen us, to draw us nearer to him again and again. And some sorrowfuls, some things are so sad that you just can't talk about it. We had that a couple verses ago. Sorrow is here as a result of sin, sickness, death, tragedy. They're in this world all over the place. And God has not promised that we will go through unscathed in this world. His followers walk through sadness and sorrow. But he has said, I will be right there with you. Enjoy every little moment you can. Take the fun things in life, whether it's kids running around watching that, or as simple as something you're thankful for, like a cup of coffee in the morning, uh, or a smile from somebody, something simple. Take those moments of happiness, enjoy them. But also know that God will be near you in the saddest moments as well. He's always near you and he will never leave you. 
Don't expect life to be one big, happy, fun ride along the way. There is value in sorrow. Brings our hearts down to where we need to be sometimes. Keeps our minds thinking about eternity. When we lose folks around us, when we see hardships, and we say, God really is the only thing that matters in this life. He's the only place I can go. To whom else can I go? No one but the Lord. Where else could I go? We sing that song. Go to God. Go to the Lord. He's going to do it for us. Verse number 23. Closing in near the end of the chapter. Verse 23. In all labor there's profit, but the talk of lips tendeth only to penury. Well, that's a word nobody uses very much. Penury. But here's basically what this means. Talk is cheap. That's my modern translation. How's that? Talk is cheap, right? Hard work will gain you things in this life. That's what will build. And God has said, you go and you labor and you work. Whether it's in the church, out of the church, uh, for your home, at your job, wherever you are, you work and I will bless it. But if you just talk all the time about it, you won't get anything. It'll get you penury. What is penury? You want to, poverty, that's what that means. Lack, want, destitution, or being poor. You just talk about everything all the time, never do anything. He says, you'll never get anything out of it. Work. And you will have blessings come back to you. God blesses that. Talk is cheap. All right. Verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. We can have confidence that the Lord, when you love him, that he's got your back. That's it. God as your back. Trust him is a place to go, a refuge, a safe place where you can go and be protected. He is that place. He gives you that place in the toughest of times. Verse 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. When I let other people press my buttons, and I have a few, when I let them press my buttons, it gets to a place where I let it out of my control. My reactions, my words, my physical actions most people don't see that but kids are really good at finding buttons they're really good at it right i don't know if that ever ends in life i'm hoping (laughs) somebody says nope right the moment that i let my anger get me 
is when I do the most stupid things in that moment. And that's the moment that I wish I could take back. And that's the moment that I've had to go to my kids and ask for forgiveness. Stupid things I've said or done. It's just as simple as be wise and slow to anger. It'll take a long time to simmer, but then don't let the pot blow up, right? Because it gets there. Think about it. Think about what you're going to do. Anything you do that's hasty is going to be foolish. That's what that says. Do it hasty, it's going to be foolish. And the last verse we're going to look at, verse 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. What does a sound heart mean? That simply means this. There, control your anger is for the last one, okay? A sound heart simply means satisfaction. If you can learn to be contented or satisfied with what you have, whether your home is big or little, your cars are what you want or what you could afford, whether your family is all the way that it should be or maybe not, whether you own the things you think you should or maybe not. If we can learn to be content with what we have, then God blesses that. God especially blesses people that are just happy with what they have. I'm okay with it. I don't have to have everything else right now. Not that you can't have dreams and desires of things. Everybody has dreams and desires, but when you eat you alive that that person has it and I don't have it. That person has a talent that I don't have. That person has a possession. Their family is like what I would want. Their relationships are what I would want. You don't know. You didn't live their life. You didn't do what they did. You don't have the same struggles they have. You have what you have. And God has given you in your life, first of all, what you have sown. You reap that in your life, right? So if you've sown sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Don't be jealous of someone who has sown plenty in their life and they reap plenty. God blesses those things. Be content with all that you have. Because if you let envy go in your life, it will eat you away from the inside out. Rottenness to your bones. And all of a sudden, there'll be nothing that holding you together anymore. It will consume every bit of you. Envy consumes you. 
So be satisfied. So we look at a bunch of different lessons throughout Proverbs. We see a bunch of different things just in one chapter. We look at them and hopefully we pick up a few things and enjoy some of Solomon's wisdom in our homes and take a few things with us. Thank you very much. Have a good day.